0: Hello everybody, welcome, as we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament. And uh, I say this now every week, you'll probably get tired of it, but this is 224 studies in, so well over four years. Uh, through the New Testament, we're going a chapter at a time. When we're done, which will be in another 40 some weeks, I think, uh, yeah, um, we'll start with the Old Testament, and we'll do that for the next 15 years, and then we'll start all over again. I plan on... I think the next time through the New Testament will be even better. So you just have to wait 15 years, but it's all good. Um, the uh, the reason we do it this way, I, I think it's so important that you um, work through this book in context and that um, as we read through the, the New Testament, a chapter at a time, and obviously, you know, we could... As it, it, long as it's taken us, it could take a lot longer if we were really breaking it down. I hit the highlights. Uh, where I can, but holding the idea in context and what's happening in context is very helpful when you study the Bible. On that having worked through it the way we have with with uh, the Gospels, so we could see the ministry of Jesus uh, back then into the Book of Acts, so we could see the early church, and then coming out of there, you know, working through Paul's letters um, because uh, you know we could see his missionary journeys in Acts and see what he did, and now we're working on the the other epistles that were written to the early church. And that we can, we can understand why they were written, the situations that were going on at the time. We understand that the letters are being written usually in response to things that are taking place or as warnings of things that they see coming. And that as we hold all that in, in, into the context of, of what we're reading, it keeps us from, um, sort of getting swayed by heresies and false teachings because we can, we can get a hold of it in context and understand what was trying to be said. So, studying this way, I think, is very, very helpful in that understanding and why we're taking the time to do it. And we've worked our way through all the way here. We're heading towards the end now. We just finished 1 Peter. We're going to do 2 Peter. We're going to do Jude. Uh, and then 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. We'll do Jude um, right after 2nd Peter because they were written um, fairly closely and are basically a warning, very similar warnings. Then we'll, we'll work through the three letters John wrote. And then right after that, Revelation, which he also wrote. So, we'll hold those together. And then uh, we'll have the New Testament finished. So it makes it sound like that's nothing, but it's, there's quite a bit of chapters in there still. But we're making great progress and we're we're moving along. So we're in 2 Peter. Uh, today we're going to start and, and we're going to be in the first chapter of 2 Peter. Now 2 Peter was written uh, approximately um, just before 67 or 68 A.D., because um, we know Peter to be the author, and we also know that he was um, uh, killed by Nero in 67 or 68 AD. So he wrote this just before the end. The church was being um, intensely persecuted. They were being blamed for a lot of things uh, that they hadn't done, but also um, they were causing problems because uh, up until that point, most of the Roman Empire... Allowed for people to worship many deities, which many of them did. So it wasn't abnormal for them to have several gods that they worshipped, and the emperor would have been one of them, and and so they could worship him as well as their other gods. Well, that was a big problem for Christians. They couldn't do that. With one God that we worship, and and so this was um, causing issues um, with the with the culture around them. Um, by this point in time. The church was um, sort of being even pushed out of the synagogues. You know, for a long time, the church met as as part of, uh, it was just part of an extension kind of a Judaism, although, you know, we understand it as, as sort of a, a completion, but they were still there in the same places, and now that was uh, stopping, and they were being pushed out of those places, and so uh, everything was really tightening up here uh, in, in the 60s, uh, 60 ADs, uh, and uh, they, were, they were feeling pressure from every side. And it, um, it was causing the church to scatter um, throughout the, the uh, sort of known um, world at the time, which is, is ultimately was, was God used to help spread the gospel everywhere because as they scattered, they would go with the good news. But the, the, uh, the group that had started it all was being intensely persecuted and it does end up in, in Peter being um, killed by Nero. Nero. At around 67 or 68 AD. So he's, uh, he's dealing with um, some pretty intense issues here towards the end. Um, First Peter was really about the persecution that the early church was facing from outside. Second Peter um, has more to do with um, the trouble that was being caused from inside the church by false teachers and false teachings. And so a lot of this and and a lot of Jude's warnings are about that, about being aware of false teachings and false teachers that were trying to lead the church astray. And this would start around then and would continue on and still continues to this day uh, as as an issue that happens. But throughout the early part of the church, you know, a lot of their time was dealt with dealing with some... um, Extremely heretical teachings and false teachers who would gain prominence and start trying to derail the whole process. Um, but but the the warnings of the the guys who were witnesses and the early writers were always stay true, you know study, hang on, and and press on in the Lord. so we'll we'll look at some of those things here in the next few chapters. Second Peter is uh, twenty one verses. I'm going to read them to you. They're on the sheets I passed out. If you have your Bibles, you can open up and follow along. I'll be reading out of the NIV, beginning in verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven ...when we were with him on that sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man... But man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, and blessed be the word of the Lord. So, uh, basically, two sort of thoughts out of this chapter that we're gonna we're gonna talk about. the The first part of this, um, the first eleven verses, is that. Um, One of the ways that we can avoid falling prey to false teachers and false teachings, and listen, this is going to be news, is living by trying to do the next right thing. Most of you know that. I'm so glad you know that because I say it like constantly. Uh, Again, I say that because it's so foundational to everything in, in this walk that we're in. We're, if we live, if we'll do that, if we'll really spend time living by trying to do the next right thing. And, you know, let me clarify. When I say the next right thing, I don't mean, you know, whatever we think the next right thing is. Obviously, it's it's how the Spirit leads us into the next right thing. And the Spirit of God lets you know what the next right thing is, and you know when He's doing it. He's really good about this stuff. Uh, he's He's faithful. You you pretty much always... I'm... Um, you just know what you should do and what you shouldn't do. When you do what you shouldn't do, you, you also know that you're almost always justifying it as you do it and and I mean that's, isn't that that's really fascinating when you think about it. I, I think um, how how easy it is to justify things that we shouldn't do, even none, none of you, I'm sure ever do that, but um I still struggle with that sometimes. You know one of the things I'm figuring out, you know I just turned 54, so now I can wax poetic about life, I guess. But um one of the things that I find that that sort of God is constantly on me about are the decisions I make um, and I I've, I've I've begun to call these just in my own world, my own understanding so I can get more on top of them are are sins of expediency. And and by that I mean sometimes I'll do things because they're the most expedient thing to do. But I have a hunch that they're not always the absolute right thing to do, but I can justify the result a lot of times. And I will choose to go the expedient route rather than the other route. And I find in the mercy of God that he's making those things catch up to me way quicker than they used to, uh, which is a good thing um I don't like it but it's a good thing because cuz you have to think about it more uh and I think that's very healthy but I, I this is the process see and I only say that to bring it up about the holy spirit is constantly leading and guiding and directing us and and um, uh, helping us and will make scripture very clear to us about what it needs to look like and I, as we yield to him Fortunately, I think it gets much harder to rationalize and justify a way doing the right thing for something that is not quite the right thing. It might not be a horrendous thing, but it, you know what I mean Does that make sense to anybody and I just think this is this is what's happening uh in our lives, and so living by trying to do the next right thing is is taking that in. And and realizing that even though we're and we're gonna mess up. I always say that because you, nobody's gonna get that right. But and we have a God who loves us. We talked a lot about that last weekend and we just go and we, we, we tell him, You were right, I was wrong, and we get a new start and all that's good. That that has to be part of the deal. But he's constantly at work and, and that's the neatest thing I think, that, that he's always at work in us. Because, and and he's it's, it's for our sake. Because he loves us so much that he's always at work in us and we'll always be at work in us until we Till the day when we're, we're caught up to Him face to face. And then, then we're, at that point in time, it's done. We don't, the work's over. He's, he's got us, He'll perfect us at that moment. But right now we're, we're in process. And none of us is perfect. So, uh, but He helps us. And Peter says that God has given us um, uh, divine power to participate in the divine nature. And escape the corruption of evil desires. That are so prevalent in the world around us. And that's an amazing promise. That that we have God's power. In the spirit. In the Holy Spirit. To to experience and live in the divine nature. Which is. Um, uh, the way that we begin to make choices. That honor and glorify him. And and this is part of the process. And that the people. Uh, apart from him. You know. They, they get st- stuck in the culture all the time. And, and again. We can choose to go the wrong route if we want but we, we have now the ability to make the right choices and the right decisions we've been that's what it means when we've been freed from the bondage to slavery and sin we now have the opportunity and the power to choose to do the right thing in our, not our strength but his and then he starts describing this and this is very important in, in the Second Peter 1 5 through 8 about the, this process of walking with him and, and the things that begin to happen and that these things are to happen in increasing measure which means it's an ongoing thing. So, for this reason, he says in verse 5, make every effort to add to your faith, and, and, and here we're, we're talking about the, the idea of this, this saving faith, this grounding faith in him, This what God is to him. Add to that goodness, which is, that, that's good. Goodness is a good thing. I should have another descriptive word, but goodness comes next. When you're in Christ now. Now, the change should begin to happen that... That you're, you're, you start caring about other people. You break out of the, the little trap that you're in of it's all about me over time. And you hopefully start, you know, getting a better disposition about life. And, you know, I always think about verses. I, 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 every day I pray this verse, you know, um, it, it's from, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And the next line is really great. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And that's one every day I pray, Lord, because I realize it's not always evident to everybody. I get anxious and stuff, and I realize, well, nobody's seeing me be gentle right now because I'm I'm the opposite, so they can't see it. But Lord, I want to, I wanted that. Rejoice, in the Lord, always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Um, It's it's this process in our lives, um, and Peter describes it as... As an increasing process, we're going to add these things as we move along. So we, faith, you know, we start with with faith, and then and then we're going to add goodness to it. To goodness, we're going to add knowledge, uh, and and you know, it's a knowledge, it's a knowing, a, an intimacy with God that needs to be added um, through the Scripture and and in life with Him. We're going to add the knowledge then about Him, self control, um, which is as we learn more about Him and uh, we we figure out the lengths He's gone to. To give us life and to love Him, that our response begins to be, Lord, I want to live for You by doing the next right thing, and and this self-control then means that we we start choosing to 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 live for Him, which but He empowers us to make those choices. Um, to self-control, perseverance. I'm in. I'm going to stay in, Lord, all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm going to keep on with You to and to perseverance, godliness. Um, you know that that the this whole thing then should begin to cause changes in us. Um, that that uh, make us live differently in the world around us, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, love your neighbors, you love yourself we, we, we want people to know what we know in christ and and to bring them into the picture and and to brotherly kindness love um, and it 's always about love, loving God all in, loving your neighbors yourself. So all these things are to be continually growing in us. That's the idea. It's ever-increasing. It's, it's an increasing measure. You, you, you don't arrive until you're with Jesus. It should always be going. It's like a constant working through this whole process. And it's constantly going back through it again. And, and, and just him constantly working in us and bringing us along. And so Peter is, is ultimately encouraging us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that these qualities can be more and more fully developed. In our lives, great qualities, faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly, kindness and love. And he says that having these being developed in us will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So, so the more we're focused on him and living for him, trying to do the next right thing, the less likely we are to be drawn away by false teachers. So it, it helps us. It, if, we're, if we're all in, pressing in, desiring more of him, then um, we're less likely to fall prey to false teachers and false teaching. Remember, mostly what they're going to do, um, and I think this is interesting too, is they're sort of going to provide shortcuts, usually. And, and that's how they, they take, oh, well, that seems like less work, or less effort, or it's sort of a, a light version and uh, that's not you. Know, oh, I can kind of keep doing some, and and it's not the the way that it works. But um, pressing in, and, and remember, life is always found in Him. Everything else that tries to distract us is never really life. So it starts with that, and then um, the last part of this first chapter, verses twelve through twenty one, is another sort of big deal about. So we want to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and live for for Jesus, and that's one way we're going to avoid the trap of false teachers and false teaching. The second way that we're going to do that is um, by spending time in the Word of God and and really making it a part of our daily lives. And that um, we can have confidence in the truth that we have now in the book because the Word is true. And he says this in in verses 16 through 21. Peter says, "We, We did not follow... Cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. That's really powerful. Peter's saying, look, we saw it. So we, we know of what we speak. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That was a really cool experience, right? And, and uh, you, you know, the transfiguration... Uh, Just very cool stuff. Peter was a witness to that um, and uh, obviously changed him and impacted him um, forever. And, and, um, you know, all these situations, they saw this take place. We ourselves, he says, heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. So, Peter's... I love the fact that he brings that up and you remember our teaching as we looked into the Gospels. Matthew 17 is about the transfiguration and and, uh, that to be quite an event. You know, to be hanging out with Jesus and then uh, Elijah and Moses show up. So you can imagine that would be cool, right? I mean if you hanging out with Jesus would be cool and then <laughs> And then Moses and Elijah show up and Peter, you know, is not even sure what to do, and so he says, Maybe we should put some tents together or something, you know, he's not really and the the voice comes out of heaven, it's my son who I'm well pleased, and then and the father said, listen to him, so he'll tell you what to do. Um, but he, he records this, and then he goes on and he says, We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining at the dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter's saying, listen, um, the, the, the the Scripture that we have is inspired by God. You know, and at that point in time, he'd been speaking primarily about the Old Testament they had to that point. But um, we also know that the guys now were, as they began to record, was under the unction of the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy says in chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Romans 15:4 Paul says for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. The writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 4:12 the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow; it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart and so the, the you know the, the whole idea is that as we you know commit ourselves to spending time in the word of God which we talk about here all the time, it helps us in this entire walk it is also going to um, make us far more able to discern when someone is teaching things that aren't quite right because we, if you have a knowledge of this book you'll go no, that's not quite right remember the the enemy that we have was really good about twisting scripture because um, he would and he likes to tweak it just enough to make it untrue he'll hold some of it in there and then he'll twist it so that it's no longer true he tried it with Jesus and Jesus kept correcting him no that's not what it says it says this and then the enemy so no it says this and he goes Jesus, no no it really says this but he was just tweaking it a little in the temptation time and so we need to be aware of what the scripture says and that's Peter's exhortation in this whole process of saying listen here's how you here's how you need to stay sharp and focused live for Jesus all in Keep your eyes on Him. Be, you know, filled with the Spirit and and yield to the Spirit in your life so that these character traits can be developed in you, living by trying to do the next right thing. And as a part of that, always make sure that you're taking time to know what's in the book because that's where you're going to find truth and, and in the truth you're going to be set free. And that these are the, the first sort of um, things that he puts forth in this letter to the church in, in dealing with the difficulties that they're facing from within so that they could stay connected and on point on their journey. So that's enough for um, today. If you're watching my video, thank you so much. Or television, we appreciate you do that. Come and visit us when you can. If you need prayer, go to our website, keysvineyard.com, find the prayer page, send us a request. We'd be happy to pray for you. We'd love to see you sometime soon. God bless.